What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Of A Kind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at ofakind.com. Oh, you should do it. You should, you should do you it. You should find out more you and sign do up it. for our newsletter. Um, What's happening with you? Uh, I feel like the biggest news of my weekend, because I didn't, I didn't really leave the house because I was working mm-hmm. almost the entire time, same as you, mm-hmm. um, is that my bunny got an Instagram account. And the biggest news of my weekend is that I didn't find out until we were in the office with a whole group of people as if... I think this is like very much the nature of our relationship. (laughs) My husband made the rabbit an Instagram account on Sunday. There are two pictures on it. I didn't tell you by noon on Monday, and it felt like like leaving out a big thing. It did. I you felt like on the outside. I felt on the outside. Thank God you didn't wait until we were like on the podcast to tell me. Yeah, no. I appreciate is, the heads up. So I was really busy, deep into work, and Thomas, for whatever reason, decided that like today was the day that Ash mm-hmm. needed to have an Instagram account. Again, can't really explain to you yeah. why. I think he was just like at home bored and mm-hmm. looking for things to occupy himself. And so then there were a lot of questions, which that is were being also asked so interesting me. because it took so Thomas so long to get his own Instagram. Yeah, for the no, longest time we just had to call him hashtag Thomas if we wanted to discuss him on social yeah, media. Yeah, totally. No, I, Claire, I couldn't tell you. Um, also, because Ash is a black rabbit, black rabbits and black pets in general are very hard to photograph. So she doesn't photograph particularly well. There's a very good. I was going to uh, say there's like Wall a Wall Street feed. Journal. Oh, it's a Wall Street no, Journal. No, it's like oh. it's either Wall Street Journal or the Washington Post. It's very... <laughs> they did a tutorial on how to shoot black photograph furry, black, black furry yeah, yeah. Creature, critters yeah. Um, and yeah, so she doesn't photograph particularly well, but apparently Thomas has decided she needs to up her social media presence. And I was getting a lot of questions about, you know, how do you create a separate account when you already have one? Like things Google knows in a lot of cases. Well, he, he officially also like is doing more than I am on social media because I'm not even switching into into accounts. accounts, Totally. Um, and then what her handle should be. And you've met Ash. I have. She... Is not like she's not a coy kind of. She would not like do like a no. honey handle. She would not. She's not that kind of. She's rabbit. not. But I actually do kind of think she, that's like that's 
You think that'd be her like Instagram personality? Exactly. And people like that. Like there is that is a type of Instagram personality. They're like, I don't care. I only post very sporadically. And when I do, it's very apathetic. Well, I just mean her handle isn't going to be like something like, I don't know. Her Mm, handle is Ash Wednesday Adams, which is her name. But Thomas wanted to do something punnier? No, he just wasn't. That is already pretty punny. He just wasn't sure... He just wasn't sure what it should be. Like, it's, it should has, it be Ash Wednesday Adams, the bunny or something. Yeah, like. I don't know what he was. Yeah, I don't know what he like was Chloe, thinking. Like the mini Frenchie or something. Exactly. Okay. Or Tuna um, Melts My Heart. Tuna Melts My Heart. Yeah. Um, that, like that, is, that dog's name is Tuna, right? Yeah, that okay. dog's name is Tuna. Okay. Um, this, yeah, Ash's name is like, what's that Wheel of Fortune thing? You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I do. I um, forget what it, it's like called. Uh, Ash yes. Wednesday Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Has so it sh- ever been a thing on Wheel of Fortune? Doubtful. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it could be. That'd it doesn't be seem huge. outside of the realm of Wheel of Fortune. We've officially already talked about this too long, but I do think if it has been, you need to print it out and frame it. I'll do for some her looking. cage. Yeah, for her, for her so pen. mini. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a small, yeah. just yeah. a small piece of framed art. Yeah, yeah. So, so talk, so talk to me about the Instagram account. What is the strategy behind it? Um, I'm not in charge. I uh, does he have a growth plan? You know, not that we've talked about. I don't know what his, the editorial calendar looks like. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he feels about hashtags. Yeah. Um, I do feel like if I've learned anything, it's that he needs to also create a hashtag of her name in addition to her handle. So he needs to, like, totally. in the comments, hashtag Ash Wednesday Adams. He was pretty pleased because pretty soon after he created this and posted the second picture, like, you know, which all happened within an hour, um, someone he didn't know liked a photo. Now, granted, that photo like still only has maybe three likes, mm-hmm. but one of those people is someone he didn't know who must have just been like looking for rabbits on Instagram. I totally something I I understand. Like I understand that inclination. We should. I'm just gonna pull it up here and see how Ash is doing. If her, fo- I mean, I know that by the time this airs, her, her her following will have skyrocketed. I imagine. Did, have you warned Thomas about this? As that he's gonna need to step up his game in time for this going live. No, but I should. Oh, for sure. This is a pretty, this is good. I think he's doing a good job. He has six followers and two posts. <laughs> and he's following five people, none of whom are me, but well, one of whom is another rabbit. I mean, here's something. Well, one of them's Roger, I think. He, he's following. So <laughs> Roger is another rabbit. We know. I, we know. So it's I'm like a friend. It's not a, really. I'm. A, you know, so here's the thing. He's not, he's following you. Fine. He's following Roger and Roger's parents. Yeah. Fine. All to be expected. But then he's following Jamie Beck. And I just feel like... <laughs> that's it? That's well, like that's all it. it. I just feel like if you're going to go outside of the rabbit family and family of like rabbit owners, I expect to be included. I in general yeah, totally. have felt very left on the outside of this entire yeah. social media presence. Okay. And oh, this is all good feedback. Yeah. Um, I think I will tell him that he also needs to start following other bunnies because mm-hmm. I do think that mm-hmm. is... You mm-hmm. just you have to be part of the community. Yeah. You got to oh. be part of the conversation. Absolutely. You You only get out what you put in. Totally. That's what they say. Um, hey, related to that. Yeah, speaking of. Yeah. Um, can we talk about mm-hmm. your fitness routine and your marathon training? Always. Um, I'm just going to sidle my chair up yeah. a little bit. Can we talk yeah. about briefly before that, that something that you're wearing right now? I second day in a row. Wow. I'm wearing it. Yeah, that's true. I wore it yesterday, too. Yeah. Um, it's my white permanent collection popover from Of A Kind. I feel like people don't don't fully appreciate the genius of this thing. No, I know. I know. First of all, what's chicer than a popover? Well, here's, I will say, I love the look of a popover. Mm-hmm. I hate the word of a popover. Because it's it should be something you eat. Yeah. I just think we should find a better word for this. And I, I'm wel- I welcome suggestions because I don't, I when we were coming up with names for this, 
everybody was like, we need to call it popover because that's what people yeah. would Google to find this thing, which is correct. Yeah. But I hate that word. So if you were to come up with a new name, would it be Oxford Pullover? Perhaps. Yeah. Because it's basically a pullover, but with the slit yeah, down, totally. like a slit down yeah. the middle. No collar. Yeah. No buttons anywhere, no which buttons is, anywhere. I think, part of its chicness that you were speaking to. It's basically a riff on our um, extraordinarily popular white button down. Yeah. Or button up. I forget what that thing's called. Yeah. Either one. <laughs> um, and the the genius of this thing, so it has the same amazing body. It has no collar and then like a, sl- uh, like a, slit, a slit at the top. But it's not a super low slit. No, it's not a super low slit. It looks so cute coming out of a sweater. And you know that part of the problem with sweaters, wearing button downs under sweaters, is when the buttons get all bunchy and like yep. create a weirdness underneath your sweater where you can see it. This doesn't have that problem. It also has these genius sleeves that also these don't have buttons. These little cute cuffs. These yeah. little, yeah, they're cuffs. And they just, they're made to be folded on this adorable little... They look like little way. flower petals or something right yeah. now, or like a Japanese envelope. Ugh. Wow. Done. Yeah. What more is there to say? You want to buy cuffs, another? My cuffs, I do, because as you can see, I wore it two days in a row, and it's actually you get filthy. On there? Who knows? Yeah. It's like actually disgusting. Well, if you people want one of these, <laughs> use the code of few things to get 10% off your order. Do it. Um... Okay. Mm-hmm. You just ran a marathon. I did. Um, but before that, you mm-hmm. were doing a lot of running and training and just yes. like general fitness. I want to talk about what you were doing before, mm-hmm. what you did for the marathon, yes. and what you're doing now as you're trying to <sighs> work my way back into normal. <laughs> yeah, trying yeah. to get back to normal. So on a daily basis, mm-hmm. you're mostly running. Yeah. On a daily basis, my ideal week looks like five days of running. And three to five miles on those days. And then one day of some sort of strength training, usually bar method. Um, I I don't hate a boot camp class, um, but just something because if I don't do strength training, I my running is just not fun or it's just not as fun. If I feel and strong. And you figured this out at what point? Like Because there was a while where you were just running and oh, you were yeah. running almost every single. I mean, you were you running like it, six to seven days a week. You know when it was? Um, when, when, what was that thing called? The fitness guru opened up, RIP, as Margaret Atwood says, the fitness guru, unfortunately dead. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, it, it, there was a gym that opened up across the street from my old building. So I started taking classes because before then always part of the appeal for running of running for me has been that you don't have to schedule it. Like, it's not like you have to start right. You can do it anywhere. Like you you can can just like put your shoes on and go. You can start at 1207. No fitness class starts at 1207, even if that's the most convenient time for you. Um, so I was never doing fitness classes, but then when this place opened up right across the street from me, I was like, okay, I'll start doing this. And so you were going kind of a lot of times because it was rainy day sometimes exactly. and you, yeah, you hated, I hate treadmills. treadmills. Yeah. Um, so I just started going there and doing like Pilates and boot camp and spinning, which is not strength training and I don't ever spin anymore, but, um, I just, I just really feel so much better. And I had done before then I would like sort of screw around in the gym on my own and get stronger and I liked it. But, um, this this was a revelation for me that like, okay, once a week I can do a class and I will just get stronger like in my arms and my core and my butt, although my butt has been a struggle. Um, what? Why does this help with running? I think for me, the number one thing is core. Yeah. Because you have to, you're holding you're yourself, yourself up, up for so long. Yeah. Um, because I think through running, you end up getting, you know, obviously decent leg strength and glute and whatever else. And you don't really need your arms. But although I do find arm strength does help too. But I think for me, the biggest thing is core. It's just, and your form is better. And if your form is better, your running is better. And it's not as hard. Um, so I, I, re- I do really, really like bar method for, to, as like a. Me too. Alternate thing. And a lot of times I will do 
bar method two days in a row on the weekend and then run five days during the week, which means I don't have a rest day, which I think is actually fine because I'm not running that much that I need to rest my muscles. I could be entirely wrong. Um, Can we go back to the spinning thing for a second? Yeah. Because you used to like spinning for like a minute. Yeah, I like spinning. Yeah. yeah, same. Um, But neither of us do it at all anymore. Why? So the biggest reason for, so well, there were two reasons. I was getting migraines a lot. Um, Same. You, and yeah. I hadn't gotten migraines for years, but they started back up again because it's the shoulder. We think it's shoulder. like the shoulder tension so of like holding yeah. your shoulders up. Yeah. I think it's two things. I think it's the shoulder thing combined with I will like a one uh, migraine trigger for me is like intense physical exertion sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. spinning just encourages you to just totally just like, gut yourself. Like, yeah. yeah, like leave nothing um by the end of the class and but leave it all in the room that's right leave, leave it, all it all on the, the bike room. yeah yeah totally. um but the truth is and this is really sad despite despite what i just said being true the real thing that actually made me stop spinning was realizing that i like could barely get my pants on anymore because my quads were getting so mm-hmm, huge mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. which oh I, I come and and the teacher me i asked the teacher i was like why are my quads getting so huge and she was like it's because you're not using your butt to pedal you're using like your feet and it's and that and that is me you know causing working out the different muscles and you're supposed to be working out exactly come to find out what five years later or something yeah when I started training for the marathon and training with Joe as a coach he was like you just like don't even know how to use your glutes like you what's he call it or not not my glutes yeah glutes yeah yeah Yeah. um glute inactivity sleepy glutes he calls it sleepy glute syndrome sleep sleepy glute glute syndrome yeah he says my glutes are asleep he says a lot of people's glutes are asleep because they're sitting all day totally okay so you'd been running for a decade it's going to be a decade next year. Oh, my God. What are you going to do for your running anniversary? Well, it's funny because I, you know, if I'd really planned this appropriately, you I would have run, run a marathon. marathon. Yeah, but well, you really got ahead of yourself But here. it really, it probably is like almost exactly nine years now because, and I've told this story before, like probably constantly on this podcast, but I got off of antidepressants and I just, I'll always remember the timing of it because I got off antidepressants, or I was cycling off of them, tapering off of them, and I was replacing the pills with exercise and it was so hard for me to run so I would go to this gym I was living in London briefly at the time I would go to this gym and I would get on the treadmill and to do 15 minutes was so hard for me so I would have to watch TV and I would just watch the news of the financial crisis because it was 2008 um and that is how I will like always remember when I started running because it was when the financial crisis started that's so funny. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So I've been doing it for a decade now. It eventually got easier. I my advice to people who want to start running is like honestly, fifteen minutes might even be too much to start with. It's yeah. so hard when you're when you're like not in practice of running. Yeah. It's so it's, different than yeah. It's just so exhausting. And it's and so I always say like start with ten minutes a day or start with whatever because if it's so horrible, you're not going to go back and do it again. So if you do 10 minutes a day for a week or two weeks, and then you start doing 15 minutes, eventually before long, you're going to get up to half an hour and then you're going to be doing like three miles. And that's great. And I also do think that the Nike run club app, the mm-hmm. like couch to 5k on mm-hmm. there, which is super guided and, mm-hmm. you know, has the run walk things. Yeah, they don't make it overly complicated. That's Some of good. these like couch to 5k things yeah. are so complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's relatively straightforward. We'll be like, okay, now walk for five minutes. And mm. it gives you these triggers, which That's is good. Nice. That is really nice. Yeah. yeah I, I, My friend Paige, who never ran and was like mm-hmm. always like, I would say pretty like adamantly post exercise. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, really, as was I, actually, yeah. as was I. 
started running maybe a year and a half, two years ago and did it with the Nike Run Club app and, and was very sold on the experience. Yeah, huh. totally. I also really hated exercise before I started running. I also just kind of like hated runners, I think. Uh-huh. I just it's and and there's now, a certain just, high and mightiness about runners. Yeah, boy, yeah. and it and it, it also takes a lot of self motivation, which I think people pat themselves on the back yep, for. It's exactly. just like look at me out here, like in this weather, totally. like I got my ass out of bed for this. That's yeah. right. It's very. It's like a very and the problem it's is self congratulatory. The problem with running is that it is so full of like life metaphors. It's just so fucking easy to be (laughs) like, I did, I went on this three mile run. It was like fairly mediocre, but here's the seven ways in which it was actually an inspirational life lesson. What's the book? Um, What I talk about when I talk about running, the Murakami book. Yes, which I read recently because people love that book. Yeah, But it was a struggle in that way where I'm like, I actually like can't, I can't have running mean this much. It's funny. So I, having been doing this for now nine years, my relationship with it has changed so much because in the beginning, I didn't have any of those feelings about it. It was purely this, this very practical thing where I recognized that there was a payoff, that there was a payoff that I didn't get anxious and depressed or I got less anxious and depressed both while I was running and then afterwards. And I remember, I like so distinctly remember in the early days when I started being like, okay, I have to do it every single day, but this one day, like I just can't. And then having an anxious day and just thinking never again, like never, I I have to do it now every single day, which is also in part because I think for me, that's an important part of the habit that to like do it, even if it's just for five minutes, because I have to do it every day. to fall off the wagon otherwise. Yeah. Um, Now, and in large part because of the marathon, but I think it also just started the more I started like getting into races and meeting other people who are runners. Now I'm like, oh, I'm all in. It's like such a spiritual journey. Yada, yeah, yada, yada. Totally. It's like, it's so gross. Oh, um, God. Okay. But I think so it's okay. Will you I, take us on yeah. your spiritual journey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, here's, so, okay. I, I do want to just emphasize that like, I think when you, if you can get yourself to the point where running is not totally miserable and you can do it for 30 minutes a day, just on a purely emotional level you start to really understand the benefits yeah and I I it has completely taught me how closely linked the physical and the emotional are to a point where I'm just furious with anybody who encountered me in my teenage years who didn't explain it to me yeah like yeah yeah yeah. why would you not tell me this you wouldn't have been sold on it then I wouldn't you wouldn't have I know I hear what you're saying but you would not have I mean I I didn't know you at 16 but I knew you at 18 and I am 100% sure that 18 year old you would have been like fuck off. oh my god my college roommate Carrie who's still one of my very best friends ran every day in college and I was so annoyed with her about it I was like what are you doing but she, she didn't explain it to me. I don't know. Anyway, so there's that. I just think like I, when I'm running, I feel my chest, like the tightness in my chest that I get from being anxious or cranky open up. It just the, the physical benefits result in emotional benefits. Um, I also something that that I have always just kind of felt is that it is the one time of di- it is the one time of day where I feel like I am where I'm supposed to be. Like I, as you know, question decisions all the time. You're the one who's like, the decision's made, I'm done. We're done, I'm like, we're moving on. I'm like, but What's maybe next? it could be better. And do you think if we'd done it this way, running is the one time of day where I'm like, this is 100% where I'm supposed to be right now. I am not hurting anybody. Like I'm not doing harm to anybody. I'm helping myself. Do this you is really just worry what I'm about doing to do. harm to everybody all the time? Well, you know, I'm always just worried about like, oh God, did I like say that? Did I say something wrong okay. to that person yeah, 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 in yeah, that yeah. way? Okay. Where I'm like, oh, I should have said it. I shouldn't have said it this way. Did I yeah. insult okay. that person? Fine, fine. It's like yes. a constant, you know. Okay. I, it's yes. like I'm I relate the to average neurotic person, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, when I'm running, I'm just like, 
I'm not like worrying about any of that. I'm not do. I'm not questioning whether or not I'm doing the right thing. Um, and that is one thing I really like about running. It's like this thing, like really my only job is to put one foot in front of the other. And actually I wrote down this quote because the is amazing- Is this part of your spiritual journey? Yeah, well, no, this is not part of my spiritual journey, okay. but but this was um, Humans of New York, which I oh, love. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Did a post um, on Instagram where they had interviewed, uh, or he, had, Brandon, had interviewed a woman who was training for the marathon. And she said this thing, and I was like, yes, this totally speaks to me. She said, not the first part, but you'll see. She said, as I get old, older, I feel like more and more of my life is outside my control. That's why I started training for the marathon. I want to be in control of something. I can't control current events. I can't control politics. I can't even control my personal relationships. But I can control my legs. I can put one leg in front of the other. I can decide the miles that I run each day, each week, each month. And it feels great. I get a rush every time I make it to the top of a hill. That thing about just like literally all you have to do right now is put yeah. one front yeah, yeah, leg yeah, in front yeah, of the yeah. other is meditative for me totally in a way that I yeah. like. So that's like my day-to-day, I would say, sort of spiritual journey about running. And and I've said this before too, but this idea that I can do something to impact my mental health that's entirely within my control. Um, yeah. That I, it's not about the way someone else is making me feel. It's not about taking a pill or going to therapy or whatever else, but it's like, here's one thing that is totally up to me that yep. I can do. And I find that very empowering about running or and exercise in general. But yeah, and I mean, you know, all the things we've talked about before that like, I don't need any equipment. I can do it on my own. I can do it anywhere. Just great. Um, so then you decided to run a marathon. I mean, d- decided being like an interesting use of the word. I did. My, you could have you could have backed out. I could have backed out. Well, I thought I was going to back out. So my best, one of my best friends from growing up, Bryce, had just a straight up shit year. We all, a lot of us had a really shit 2016. It was just kind of a shitty year. 2017? Well, both. 2016. Oh, yeah, she, yeah. Her she 2016. reached out. Yeah, 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 she reached out in the beginning of 2017 and said, can we sign up for the marathon together? And she had just had a baby. She, and which was the good part of her year, but also like being a new mom is was not easy. challenging. Yeah. Um, her mom had just had colon cancer and her brother had died of a heroin overdose. And she was just really disoriented. And she and I both run and she was like, can we do this thing together? So I'm like, who am I to say no? Yeah, let's do it. And I love the New York Marathon. Love. My very favorite day you of the year. You feel about the New York Marathon the way I feel about the U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I just think it's the best day of the year, hands uh, down. Hear you. Yeah. So I said, yeah, let's sign up for the lottery, thinking there's no way we're going to get in. And then I got in. And I was still like, I don't know if I could do this thing. And this is the thing that like seems to be surprising to people because I'd been running for so long um, that I was really like, I don't know if I can do it. I was really scared and intimidated by it because the furthest I had ever run before training for the marathon was 10 miles. And I'd done that once in 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was really scared by it. And I, I would, I was the type of person who would look at other people running marathons and be like, how did you possibly do that? I could never. Yeah. Um, but I slowly just sort of eased my way into the training and um, and I did it. You did it. <laughs> I did it. So how many days a week were you running? What was the like, training program like? So the interesting thing about it was that I was actually running. It it it, it forced me to run fewer days yeah. a week, um, in part because it's so important when you're running that much to rest, yeah. which was something that I felt like I just didn't fully understand and had to have a lot of people explain to me, like, no, you have to rest. There's nothing um, noble about being like, I'm going to run more days. It's just going to yeah. hurt you in the end. Your muscles need to rebuild. Um, and then I needed to also strength train. Um, and then m- my body just started like getting hurt, like overuse injuries. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so 
um, Joe, who I was working with, was like, you just have to so be resting more. Joe is a Joe Holder is a trainer yes. who we had on the podcast yep. a few episodes back. So we'll link to that episode in the mm-hmm. recap. Um, so he, I was meeting with him. Okay, so actually I was strength training with him twice a week and right. resting one day a week. So that's three. So I was really only running four, four days, days a week. week which was less than you were usually running. Way less. Yeah. I mean, still more miles. Oh. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, it, in terms of frequency. It was weird. Yeah. And that was really weird to be like, how am I running less? And at a certain point, I started towards the end, I was only running three days a week because I had these overuse injuries in my hip and my IT band. And, he, and I needed to be resting. And Joe is obsessed with rest. He's like professional athletes take rest as seriously as they take practice and you need like it's really important um the thing that nobody tells you about rest is it's not actually rest it's like active recovery where you're i was those words active recovery feel very buzzy and it's Mm -hmm. like your foam rolling and your i just feel truly feel like this is the big secret of marathon training where people are like you can run a marathon like you'll find the time to do the runs the runnings are the running is not actually the time consuming part you can find the time to do the runs if you're willing to give up like one day a week and get up a little earlier all of the foam rolling and the acupuncture and the stretching. Yeah, I want to get to all of this. I'm very interested in all this. It's so like it's so time consuming and it's so uninteresting. Like people run marathons usually because they kind of like running. Like the running sucked a lot well, of the time. It's kind of like it. starting a business. Yeah, no, where it's totally you started true. to do this one thing and yeah. then 80% of your time you spend doing these other things that yeah. are supposed to make that other that first thing better and stronger. Well, and think I mean. For better or worse, I didn't really realize how important that stuff was until about halfway through the training, at which point I was like, well, there's no turning back now. So yeah, I just got to do this stuff or else the race itself is going to be miserable. It was there was like about a halfway point. Whatever. I think I can I could have I have a sense of when this yeah, was. Yeah, I remember it, too, because it was I, we went to a wedding maybe like the first week in September. Yeah. yeah. And I I like kind of got depressed. I was like, I'm so sick of running right yeah. now. I was like, I you been really so... didn't want to wake up and do that long run that next yeah. that Sunday or whatever. Yeah. I've been super hyped on it. And then I started to realize that I I was following the Hal Higdon training method, which yeah. For me, I think is too much. Yeah. I don't, I, I, and that's like running like five days a week or. Yeah, he has you running five days a week. And well, it depends because there's different levels, but I was doing intermediate one and he doesn't include a day of strength training and he just. Oh no, so he has you running six days a week, actually. That's a lot of days. It's a lot. And it was a lot of miles and my body was just hurting and I was felt like all I was doing was running and all I was doing was thinking about how I was going to fit my run in. And I was just. I was in pain and I was like miserable and I was kind of depressed and I was just never looking forward to it. Um, And that's when, and I told Joe and he was, Joe was super hyped on it because he has that, he was like, oh, great. I'm glad you feel this way because he takes this different approach that really emphasizes rest and really emphasizes strength Hmm. training in a bigger way. So he was like, say no more. We're going to adjust the program. We're going to figure this. Yeah. So after you started working with Joe Mm -hmm. on your training program, you were running four days, three to four days a week. Mm -hmm. How long were the runs? So it varies week to week, um, right, depending right, right, on where right. you're in the cycle. And you get to this point about three to four weeks before the marathon where you're peaking and then and the after tapering. that you're tapering. And the long runs once on the weekend, when I was working with Joy, I was only doing one long run on the weekend when he adjusted my program. And they were anywhere from like 12 to at its top 20 mile. And that's, runs. I feel like it's something that I mean, I ran a half marathon mm-hmm. once and we only ever ran 10 miles before. Mm-hmm. But it's like that experience of being like, I've never actually run as long as I'm going to have to run that day, yeah. which you were really freaking out about the week before. Every single week, I would be like, I don't that there would be a new mileage. I would be like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. And it's this crazy cycle where 
this this thing that every this experience that everybody is familiar with dreading a thing not knowing whether or not you're going to be able to do it doing and then the doing thing. it but then going through the same process again <laughs> like a week, week and a half later but it is amazing and to get back to like very annoying and trite life metaphors you like it's kind of awesome to have go through that every single oh, of week course. where you're just like i really didn't know if i was going to do it I, and, and, then I did. and then i did and i did it because I held myself to that standard. I didn't want to feel failure. And that was the thing that I learned through this process, too. I was like, I actually didn't realize how stubborn I was. Yeah. F- when it comes to myself, even. when like I, I With yourself. Yeah, exactly. I was like, myself. I think you understand in the world. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know I'm really stubborn. I But I didn't realize that I was with myself because yeah. I didn't finish because I could. Because I'll tell you what, there were days where I just would like fully collapse at the end. I finished because I was like, I'm so desperate not to not finish to not finish and to not feel like this is incomplete or like I couldn't do it it was so important to me to prove that I could and that was a really cool thing and it just I mean it's I'm it's so trite I apologize to you and to our listeners but you do apply it to your life you're like I'm gonna get this other thing done that's really daunting because if I can do that I can do this a hundred percent um um the thing I could not do was all the recovery, the foam rolling and the stretching and it was miserable um my one last question about Mm -hmm. the actual runs How much did you have to run on weekdays? Because I feel yeah. like people like wrap their head around the idea that there's like this long yeah. run and that's going to take most of my Saturday or whatever. But how much were you doing on like a I, Tuesday? Yeah, I think. And again, it varied so much. But I think the longest I ever did on a weekday was eight miles. Maybe okay. I did a 10 miler once on a weekday. Okay. But um, that doesn't feel it wasn't crazy. crazy. Like you can do a six mile run before work because it's an hour and you do an yeah, hour, yeah, yeah. you know, but for class an exercise or class. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was annoying because I am used to really only budgeting like. 30 to 45 minutes yeah. for my runs. So it was getting um, to like 60 yeah, minutes instead. Yeah. yeah. And that's and not crazy. It wasn't crazy. And the eight miles, you know, were harder because you're like, okay, I need like what, like an hour and a half for yeah. this or whatever. And But you didn't have to do that that often. It was. it No. And the hardest part is that the New York summers are just so humid. Yeah. And you're just freaking miserable. But I don't mind a six mile run before work. And I think the other thing that this taught me is like, I still want to do that every once in a while. Yeah, I'll do totally. a six mile run before work and I can do that. Um, okay, so now I want to talk about mm-hmm. the strength training and the mm-hmm. acupuncture and the massage mm-hmm. and the compression tights. The compression boots. Boots. Yeah, I like and, those. And yeah. All right, all of yeah. it. So let's go. Um, what were you, when you were going to Joe for strength t- training, mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about this when we yeah. interviewed him, but what were you doing? Because he talked about like some of the stuff he does there, yeah. but what were you doing? I, I was mostly honestly doing glute exercises and stability because exercises of your sleepy butt. because of my sleepy butt. So I was doing well, doing a lot of dynamic warm up. So like, what does that mean? I know it's like <laughs> knee tucks, and I actually don't remember the names for any of them. Are these which like is, lunges and things. Well, a knee tuck is not a lunge, but that's another thing I do. Okay. And walking leg swings and standing clamshells and all of these things okay. that I can't remember the names of. Much to Joe's frustration, he's like, "You're here twice a week. We do the same thing every week." I'm like, "I can't remember. I can remember the name of like somebody that I met in seventh grade once, but I cannot remember the names of these yeah, things." Totally, totally. And um, so there, it was a lot of stability work too because I because I'm not using my glutes I'm putting all this weight in places that it shouldn't be like my ankles and my quads and it was leading to just like bad form yeah yeah, and strain and um and I I don't have good running form at all and he wasn't trying to change the form because it's a rule that you're not supposed to change these things during the season yeah um but the season being marathon yes that's right sorry when you're training for something yeah 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 um but but uh he was I think trying to build 
strength in a way that would naturally sort of adjust my form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Take the pressure off the points that were being overstressed. Yes, exactly. And I do have, I overpronate. And if you've ever like watched me run, it's not cute at all. It's never bothered me that much because I'm only running three miles a week. So it's not, or sorry, like three to five miles a day. So it's not causing injuries. After doing the marathon, I am like, it would be really helpful if I had normal form. Like I could, I could manage to. Yeah. I didn't realize A, how the long runs would take up an entire day because it takes so long to warm up for them to do all the stretching and the warm up moves to get going. Then you get home and you have to then do the cool, like the foam rolling and all of that stuff. And then you're also dead. Like you can't actually function. So you're giving up at least a full day a week for these long runs. Um, And then your nights and weekends or your nights and mornings and nights when you're not running, you kind of should be going to acupuncture or foam or doing these compression boots that what are these compression boots they're basically these I never sleeves even or, heard or compression sleeves I don't know what they are compression sleeves no they're, compression sleeves are the other thing that's the thing you wear when you're running they were on your calendar as compression sleeves I know I put the wrong name oh on there. <laughs> god <laughs> the insight that our audience just gained into the lunacy of how we share I would information see with these each other things on the calendar that would be like compression sleeves and it'd be like what Compression. Well, compress. Okay, so uh, maybe they are. I don't know because there's those things. There's like the socks that you wear in the arms. Yeah, no, I know what those are. Okay, but these things, the the company who there's multiple companies who make them, but the big one is Nortec, and basically they hook up. You put on these fabric boots that are hooked up to. Tubes they're like a they, blood pressure machine. Yes, that's exactly what they're I like. Was, I had a conversation with this with my friend Kayleen, our friend mm-hmm. Kayleen, and I was like, is that what that is? Basically, yeah. she's like, totally. Yes, I, was like, I think exactly I understand this now. And it does feel really good. You have all this lactic acid buildup from running so much, and it just like squeezes your leg and then let's go and then squeezes your leg. And you it, you can just feel kind of like flushing the bad stuff out. It feels wow. good. It feels really good. Um, it's can also, we talk about mm, Marathon Day? Mm, how was it for you? <sighs> I'm like so tired. I just don't. I'm. I, I'm worried. I'm gonna cry. Um, it was so amazing. I loved it so much. I. So the first thing that I realized when I, well, when I got out there on at the, like as soon as I got on the Verrazano Bridge, I had been so nervous about it for so long, and I got there and I was like, oh, this isn't gonna be hard. This is so amazing because I'm running throughout New York City. This is my reward for having trained all summer. I was like, this is the celebration. That's a great attitude. That's a great attitude. Well, did you feel that the whole time? Yeah, I actually, there was, I, so I ran with my friend Bryce and we ran side by side the entire time, which I did not want to do, but she forced me to do. You know, I don't like running with people, but she Well, really, you used to not like running with people, but it sounds like you might now. I don't. I just think, <laughs> I think it was helpful in the sense that it, I, it forced me, it didn't give me an opportunity to get too much in my head about it. Yeah. Um, it forced me to sort of like keep my consciousness external and because I was worried about where she is and what was happening with her and could I hear her if she was talking to me and stuff like that and um so I had pain but I was not really focused on it yeah and at no point was was I worried about my fitness like I knew I could make like at no point was I like I can't I can't can't possibly do this my knee was hurting because it had you know I had been running too much but does it eventually just kind of become a hum a little bit a little bit I you know it was like what what could have gotten worse is the fear that it would get worse right right because that's what really gets you is where you're like oh my god is getting worse I can't tell am I gonna do I need to slow down but yeah, yeah, yeah it does become a hum and it also just I mean it is just such an extraordinary day that that is the overwhelming thing from the even when the thing that really sunk in as soon as I got to the ferry terminal was the sheer number of people involved in making this happen yeah. and how hard they have to work. 
it's the Department of Transportation, it's the police, it's all of the the volunteers, and it's all of the people who come out and cheer. And it's like totally varying degrees of effort. Obviously, like the people who just like come out and cheer for a couple hours. The people who are like at Staten Island at four in the morning. Yeah, yeah. But everybody does it with this like insanely kind and positive and enthusiastic attitude. Everybody's cheering for people they never met. It's crazy. And like it's not at the ferry terminal. It is mobbed. It is totally mobbed. It is wall to wall people. And everybody who is working there and is directing people is being so nice. And they're just so psyched for you. And it's like, why? You don't know me. You're not running this race. You don't know me. You don't know me. It's just it's so incredible. And it's just such it just really makes you fall in love with New York as a city because all, that's like what the city is. It's like it's totally all, it, it, and and it really I think also gets realized in the cheering and like that. For me, it had always before I ran it, it was always about the cheering. As a runner, I really appreciated the other side of it and just all of the organization that goes into it. But the people who come out and cheer, it makes such a difference. Oh my like, god! It, totally the high fives, the just like eye contact, these strangers cheering you on. You're just like, I don't I don't know why you're doing this. And people have but I, I mean I do because I get You've out there and cheer yeah, yeah, and I yeah, love yeah. it. But also just people have so much pride about their neighborhood. And you're like entering the South Bronx and people are like, Welcome to the South Bronx. You're in the South Bronx now. And they have so much pride about it. People wear all, you know, people like wear their flags and, and reflect and claim their culture in a really big way. And so you have like so many people like wearing all of their like Mexican pride and their Puerto Rican pride. And I'm like, this country has treated you in a really questionable way. And yet you're out here like you have no idea who I am. And you're out here and you're like making sure you give me a high five. You brought bananas in case I was hungry. Oh and I'm just God. like, why? And it just like gives you the most incredible faith in humanity. And I, I like I still haven't entirely figured out what it is about this idea of people running 26 miles that makes that unites people in this way. Yeah, totally. But it is such a like. Truly, well, it is an ancient tradition. I feel like there's is. like something in that. There's something to that. It is. It's just such a, a like a. It's like a collective effervescence that as a society oh. we've we've experienced or or like celebrated for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. It, it that's exactly right. And I think that I do think you know I've never run another marathon, but I am told that New York is really unique and special in this particular way yes. and in the fact that people are cheering every freaking mile of it. And I my also friend, just like love the international mm-hmm. scene that shows up. I was talking to our friend Stuart about it, yeah. Stuart Stone, and he had a really I think good point about why New York is this way versus other cities and it's that New York is such a crowded city that like lives outside like we're with each yeah, other yeah, yeah, all yeah, the yeah, time yeah, yeah. and and it, like in that way like it makes sense for New York like it, we're, we're just with each other all the time on the streets yes but mm-hmm. my counterpoint to that is we don't touch each other ever <laughs> it's like so true. we stand next to the same yeah. these same people on the subway yeah. and if anybody on the subway tried to give you a high five it would be weird no and i but think like, that's kind of, but i think that's actually the point is like we never interact with each other on the yeah, subway we yeah. never do that and this is the one time a year where these people that we exist with all year long like we do interact with them totally he, he compared it to being under an awning during a rainstorm Oh, Which is this yeah. very specifically yeah. unique, this very specifically New York experience where, like, you're never going to talk to these people on the subway. You're never going to talk to them if you're standing together, you know, somewhere in line for your coffee. But all of a sudden, when you're standing under an awning during yeah, a no, rainstorm, you guys are all friends. Yeah, totally. And I, was I like, mean, I also think there's something about the way that it disrupts the flow of the city yes. in a way that it, I don't think marathons necessarily do in other yeah. cities. Yeah. And, you know, because people can't necessarily get to places or go places that they might otherwise on a Sunday – there, they you just sort of have to embrace it. Like you have to be part of it. It's so true. It's so true. 
Can we talk just for a couple mm-hmm. minutes about what you're doing now? Like I want before we do that, can I? Yeah. I wanna I wanna share the best advice that I got. Oh yeah, on, on running the marathon. So the very best advice that I got was the night before the marathon. Somebody said to me, "20 miles is the halfway point." And I think that this was specific to New York because New York is a very challenging course and it's very um, – there's a lot of hills and mm-hmm. a lot of hills towards the end. I think it probably applies to most – I was like this applies to freaking life. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because when you are – you know, when you do these long runs, you're constantly like, okay, when am I halfway there? But like what is halfway there actually Yeah, mean? no, the second half's way worse. Running is such a mental sport when it comes to like what you can actually do. Yeah. You have to dig so deep and – you, but you also have to like not start digging deep until the end because yeah, you run yeah, out yeah. like at some you point. You run out of places yeah. to dig. That's yeah. right. Um, so I really appreciated that piece of advice. And I feel like it was really helpful. I did for me, I didn't feel any sense of relief when I passed the 13 mile marker. I was like, still got a while to go. Don't like don't don't, don't start thinking this, this is going to be easy yeah. now. Um, the other piece of advice. Well, the also drink early and often, but everybody will tell you that. I also was soliciting mantras from people because I find mantras really helpful. I I apologize in advance. This one's pretty good, though. Uh, Okay, yeah. So the first one I got was not specifically to me, but it was when I I was part of a group that met um, Amy. Oh, I'm going to get her name wrong, but she's a long-distance Olympic runner for the United States, and her name is Amy. And someone asked her what her mantra is, and she said, I breathe in strength, I breathe out weakness. I was like, oh, that's good. That feels like it could be like a Gabby Bernstein. Oh, totally. Like it doesn't have to be like a running oh, thing. It's, it's, yeah, just it's just breath life. exercise. Well, and, yeah. that, and, and and like all of these mantras are. Yeah. But then the other one that I got that struck me by how much I liked it was all it takes is all you've got. And I just really got into that one. It really helped yeah, me. Yeah, totally. And, and then the other Did one. Did you make a Pinterest board of all these? Because I feel like. <laughs> you know, I, I'll work on it. Yeah. If there's interest. The other <laughs> one that I really liked was from some Southerner who follows me on Instagram who was just delightful. And her mantra was. Love your hair. Hope you win. Um, and Which, she got, she got that from your friends who do beauty pageants. I just think that is it's so, so good. good. Love your hair. Hope you win. Love your hair. Hope you win. It's so good. I was obsessed with it. I was like, I'll oh get a tattoo God. of this. So good. Um, oh, okay. Wait, I do have one more. Yeah. Um, courtesy of Lindsey Green, who obviously yeah. is chock full of these. Yeah. Things. This is our friend who thinks gold medals are the be all end all. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No. It. She. She's really big into motivational speaking, and this quote is from. <laughs> I'm actually a motivational speaker and it's so cheesy, but it really helped me actually um, during the race. At the end of your feelings is nothing, but at the end of every principle is a promise. It's so cheesy. It was hard for me to finish reading it out loud. That should be, I think, the the like hero image on your Pinterest board. Okay, noted. I this the, the part that really speaks to me is at the end of your feelings is nothing because you're just like, I feel so tired. I feel like yeah, I feel yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. And it's like Fuck well, this feelings. relates back to like the Pima children, mm-hmm. like your feelings are, you know, this way better than me. I'm my, all my understanding of this is just through you, but like your feelings aren't a real thing. They're, yeah, they're just exactly. Your yeah. Exactly. They're your feelings. Like they're not your principles. They're not what you stand they're nothing for. Concrete. They're not reality. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like at the end of your, they're feelings, not rooted in reality. Yeah. yeah. And it help. I, it helps me in life too, or it like has since I sort of started getting very familiar with it on, on my long runs, but I was like, it actually just doesn't really matter how you feel. And I think that gets back to that thing that I was explaining of like, I didn't finish my long runs because I was physically able to, because I was barely physically able to. I did it because this was like this principle for me. Yeah. Of like, I have to. Because it was a thing it. you were going to yeah. do. I felt like crap. Yeah. Like, I never felt worse, but I was like, I have to do this. It didn't yeah. matter how I felt. So that's my merit. Though I, I, from now on, I'm not, I'm going to no more cheesy stuff. And then do another marathon? 
I don't think so. I think the thing is, it's like a really ultimately selfish thing. And that was also a weird thing. Like this summer, obviously, so many crappy things happened in the world. There were floods, there were shootings. And I was like, I'm spending all of this time just like running. And for what? When I could be spending my my resources, my time, my energy elsewhere. And I was raising money for a cause. Bryce and I were raising money in honor of her brother um, for to sort of treat heroin addiction. Um, but it was also just like, this is a very deeply selfish thing, which m- made me feel like I can't, this isn't something I can do all the time. I think there was an upside to doing something selfish, which is just this feeling of like, I, there is some worth in just doing something entirely for purely yeah, for yourself and just like focus, focusing yeah. on yourself and, and, and tell, and like demonstrating that to yourself that like it, I'm, I value me and I'm going to do this thing that's just for me. Um, but at the same time, it felt really untenable as something that to, to be doing all the time. I mean, you know, I, as my business partner, you were like, oh, my God, but when? And my husband was definitely like, oh, my God, but, like, can we go back to normal life? Totally. Totally. Um, if I were a younger person with less responsibility, I feel like I'd be like, I, this is all I this do now, thing. actually. This yeah. is – I don't even – I don't do anything else but run. I love running. I yeah. love people who run. I'm part of a run club now, and I just run marathons all year I just round. wear, like, running gear. 100%. Yeah. I just loved the actual marathon day so freaking much. I feel like <sighs> – I barely even scratch the surface. Maybe you of just could be like an old it. person who does that. I think I could be. Like, there, I, oh, there's those so grandmas many, get cheered for like. Oh my god, crazy. there's that so many people you. on the race course who wear signs that say like this I'm is my 75. Well, and like this is my 87th marathon. <gasps> it's insane. Yeah, that could be you. Maybe that's maybe it's not the number. I think it's yeah, yeah. Mm, okay, I think there's promise yeah. in this. Yeah. Um, Did well, we spend two hours talking about my fitness no, routine? No, um, no. Okay. I think we could have kept going. Yeah. Um, but hey, that's it. That's it. Um, you've been listening to a few things. Our theme song is by the Soulful Saints. Listen to us on Stitcher, Headgum, iTunes, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcasts. Please also leave us a review on the on iTunes. Email us ideas and suggestions to a few things at ofakind.com. To advertise on the show, email us at advertising at ofakind.com. That's the show. That's the show. write in and ask about our theme song it is called butterfield east and it is composed and performed by the soulful saints you can check them out over at dallarecords.com that was a headgum podcast